Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing's podcast number 100 on January 25th of 2023. Today, I will be answering seven interesting investment questions received in the last week. My latest investment book, New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividend Stocks, is now available at Amazon.com. Question number one. Why should investors avoid preferred shares? When looking for stocks with a high dividend yield, you will often be attracted to preferred shares. You know they are preferred shares because their stock symbols will always contain a PR or a PF. For example, the Enbridge common share stock is ENB, but one of its preferred shares is ENB.PR.N. Preferred shares often pay dividends in the range of 5 or 6%, which is usually 1% or 2% more than what the company pays its common shareholders. Like a bond, they are a form of loan. Thus, they do not share in the capital gain of a corporation, nor do they have an ownership or voting rights. While they rank ahead of common shares in realizing money from a company's liquidation, they rank behind bondholders. Their ranking is of little benefit. After the lawyers, bankruptcy trustees, and the banks with their fully secured debentures are paid off, the chance of anything being left for distributing is just about zero. Well, you can conveniently buy and sell preferred shares on the stock market. Very few investors have any interest in them. Zero trades in a day is not unusual for a preferred share. For one of my books, I once analyzed 654 shares paying a dividend of 3.5% or more. Of these... 364 were preferred shares, and of those, only 112 had more than 4,000 shares traded in a typical day, despite their high dividends. This is most likely due to the low possibility of preferred shares delivering an increase in share price to speculators. Preferred shares are issued at a standard price of $25 each. Of the 364 shares I analyzed, only 17 preferred shares had a share price exceeding $25, and of these, only one was greater than $30. The chance of realizing a capital gain from a preferred share is 1.91%. In 183, or 50% of them, had lost at least 20% of their value. They were now worth less than $20. Five were trading for less than $10. It is not surprising that not one analyst 
recommended that investors buy any of these 364 preferred shares. Three further complications discourage stock buyers. If interest rates decrease, the corporation who issued the preferred shares can call them in and issue new preferred shares paying a lower dividend rate. As well, unlike bonds where you get back all the money you invested, with a preferred share, you only get back what someone is willing to pay for the preferred share at this moment. 98% of the time, the price would be less than $25 they were issued at. Finally, if a company runs into financial difficulty, unlike bonds, a company can suspend paying all dividends, including those for preferred shares. So why do preferred shares exist? They are a cheaper way for a corporation to raise development money, cheaper than bank loans and without the payment commitments of bonds. While the value of a company's assets limits how much a corporation can borrow from a bank, no assets secure preferred shares. The number of preferred shares issued to raise money seems to be only limited by what the corporation thinks they can afford to pay out in dividends. Executives with their annual stock option incentives tied into a rising common share price promote preferred shares because the issue preferred shares, unlike the issue of new common shares, does not interfere with their chances to make bonus money. If preferred shares are likely to give you a capital loss, why would you add them to your portfolio? To guarantee that you do not outlive your savings, you need the capital gain of common shares. Question number two. When your shares go down in value below what you paid for them, who gets the money you have lost? The share price of a company is determined by the interaction between optimistic speculators who think the share price is going up and pessimistic speculators who think that the share price is going down. A buy trade cannot be made unless a bid by a speculator is seen as attractive to a selling speculator. Thus, a share is only worth at this moment what someone is prepared to pay for it in a stock market. The stock market is just an auction vehicle. While speculator bids may be influenced by company profits, lack of profits, stock promoters, or lack of stock promoters, or even phases of the moon. It is that uncontrolled trading of shares back and forth by millions of investors that determines the value at this instant. No one can accurately predict future share prices of a stock because there are just too many variables to consider. Thus, if the price you bid 
to sell the stock is higher than what you paid for the stock, you make money. If the price you bid to sell the stock is lower than what you paid for the stock, you lose money. There is no who gets your money involved. You are the one who agrees to take the loss or the gain. Question number three. Some advisors say REITs, which are known as real estate investment trusts, are dividend traps since they are required by law to pay out 90% of their profits. Are they right? Do these advisors invest in REITs or are they just repeating hearsay? I've owned REITs that grew from $4 to $28 in a few years. When I first owned them, they were paying a dividend yield of 8%. However, as their share price increased, they did not increase their dividend and the yield then mathematically shrunk to 2%. A REIT has control of the dividend yield, not its share price, which is controlled by speculators. Just because their share price increases does not mean they can afford to pay a higher dividend. I sold that REIT because I could invest the increased capital in several stocks paying me a dividend of more than 6%. The purpose of my portfolio is to provide a safe, reliable dividend income, not to speculate on share prices. I also own REITs whose share prices have remained steady for a decade. This has their dividend yield of 8%. This is tolerable because the 8% offsets the lower dividends paid by my financially stronger stocks whose dividend payouts rise in tandem with their ever-increasing share prices. You are in control of your money. A REIT is no more a trap than any other investment. For example, is a blue chip stock like Costco a capital gains trap? Its operating margin is only 3.4%. Its price to earnings ratio was high at 37.7 and its book value is $46.63 compared to its share price of $490.88. It is paying a dividend of less than 1%. To me, it is an overpriced trap of good capital that could be put to far better, safer use invested in several high dividend stocks that were financially stronger and paying dividends averaging 6% or more. Question number four. What characteristics does a company need to grow profits for decades? It all comes down to the wise revenue and expense decisions made by executives of a company. I have studied business risk for five decades. In 1991, working with a robust database 
of 2,200,000 businesses, I saw that companies form a unique character. This character perpetuates itself as the older executives pass on the business practices and their beliefs to the up-and-coming executives. The purpose of a company is to make a profit. If the character of the company is sufficiently flexible and adaptive, then the profits can continue for decades. However, I also observe that all businesses do eventually die. So it becomes a matter of observing where in the life cycle any business is now located. It seems as time goes by, long established successful businesses soon become less and less adaptive to new technologies and changes in business practices. This rigidity can come about because their customers, not necessarily the company, will often reject adaptive changes by the company. The company is then forced to either cater to their long-established companies or to abandon them and adapt to the desires of new customers who push them out of their traditional comfort zone. This rigidity with long-established companies allows new forming companies to embrace the changes that will take market share away from those established businesses who choose to stick with their familiar, comfortable, established business practices. Eventually, these long-established companies are dealing with an ever-shrinking market. Their profits shrink. The end is usually acquisition by a larger, more adaptive corporation or insolvency. Question number five. Some financial advisors are saying that Tesla's 20% price cuts in its vehicles are underappreciated and that investors should be buying shares now before the price goes up. I am curious how these analysts managed to conduct a poll among the millions of Tesla shareholders to determine why Tesla is underappreciated and why the recent price cuts did not send Tesla's stock prices soaring. 74,792,342 shares have traded so far today. For every buyer of Tesla, there must be a seller for a trade to be completed. Is Tesla's a long-established company deserving of a higher price? Not really. On October 14, 2019, the Tesla stock could be bought for $17.13. It reached its peak on November 1st of 2021 at $407.36. It has been on a downward slide since then. The share price on January 20th of 2023 is $131.17. Ignoring the recent 20% decrease in the price of Tesla vehicles, why should the price climb? 
The book value of the stock, as determined by Tesla's accountants, is only $9.74, an unimpressive figure for the stock. The price-to-earnings ratio is a high of 40.4, which once again signals that this is just another overpriced speculative stock that pays no dividends from its profits. If speculators buy in potential, what does the future hold for Tesla? More and more competition that will do their best to sell better electric cars that can go further at costs below Tesla prices. It will not be hard for them to beat Tesla on price. An auto industry expert reported that an electric vehicle could be assembled for less than 50% of the cost of a vehicle powered by an internal combustion engine. When Tesla launched, it was unique, in demand, with limited availability. They could price it to compete with the long-established, expensive luxury cars. You can get away with this kind of predatory pricing only until your competitors start to catch up. Tesla is no longer unique. The 20% reduction in price will do little to stop competitors undercutting the Tesla price. I believe that there is now a car manufacturer in China that is producing more electric vehicles just for their domestic market than Tesla produces for the whole world. What happens when that company starts exporting? When it comes to money, investors are very skittish about any signs of instability. While the media darling Elon Musk seems to have great fun jumping from one exciting project to another, some investors see him as impulsive and erratic. They may wonder who is minding the store. Until they see stability, many will look to car manufacturers who've been around for 50 years or more for their electric vehicles. Tesla appears to be no longer the speculator's dream stock that it was three years ago. A company forced to drastically cut prices does not inspire confidence with speculators. Question number six. How can you prevent a company from going bankrupt? Bankruptcy is a means of removing inefficient, badly managed companies from the marketplace so that the efficient, well-managed companies can acquire the bankrupt's customers and become stronger. The purpose of a company is to make wise revenue and expense decisions that result in profits. If a company is unable to make a profit, it is only natural that another supplier of a service who can make a profit assume their place in the marketplace. Companies do not go bankrupt overnight. They are like a slow leak in a tire rather than a blowout. Those who will be hurt by the bankruptcy are given lots of warning. Every year, millions 
of optimistic businesses are formed and millions of once optimistic businesses disappear. Few who are unable to make a profit will go formally bankrupt because, like any legal undertaking, bankruptcy is not inexpensive. Most failed companies will not be bankrupts. They will be limited companies out of business without assets that creditors cannot be bothered pursuing. The creditors will just write off the loss to bad debt and move on. The executives of the bankrupt company will look at it as a learning experience and form or join a new company. This is all part of our capitalist system. The alternative to bankruptcy would be stagnation and inefficiency. Question number seven. What are the best ways to get as rich as Warren Buffett or Bill Gates? You should not concern yourself with becoming as rich as Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. You should concentrate on spending your time creatively doing things you enjoy that benefits others. Their gratitude will give you pleasure, and their praise may bring you more riches than you ever thought possible. As you make your final exit, you will have the satisfaction of knowing that you leave this world a better place. Those who have benefited from your creations will remember your generosity and be inspired to follow your example. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. <laughs>